0: The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Well, let me add my voice to the many others to wish you a Merry Christmas. It's a joy as a church family to celebrate Christmas morning together. If you're a visitor, maybe a family friend or visiting from out of town, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here, and our pattern on Sunday mornings is to study a passage from the Bible to discover its significance for our lives. So if you have a Bible, let me encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. The true light And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you join me as we pray and ask God for help? Father in heaven, on this morning, we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we would behold your glory and majesty. That we would see afresh the wonder and the awe of the Incarnation. Enliven our hearts this morning so that what we experience is true and living joy that is rooted and grounded in Christ. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. In this day and age, we are constantly barraged with breaking news. Every news website has this little banner at the top and it always says breaking news and almost all of it is never breaking news. We get texts and messages and notifications that flood our phone. It's become a type of digital white noise that we just get used to ignoring. No one needs to know what some celebrity is doing or wearing or eating. No one needs to know what some billionaire tweeted or what the quote-unquote royal family is up to. But once in a rare moment, we do get news where life and death are at stake. For example, here in Minnesota, we get winter storm warnings that warn us of sub-zero temperatures that if you're outside, your nose is going to fall off in about 15 minutes. And this is it, it dawned on me, this is why meteorologists are, are treated like rock stars here in Minnesota. They get to tell us when the cold will kill us and when the tornado has touched down and we need to get into our basements. When I was in San Diego, we didn't treat meteor- meteorologists like this. They were entirely dispensable. You know, they, they, they would say the same thing every day. It's a beautiful, sunny, 70-degree day, partly cloudy and we might get a little bit of rain. They, would just say, they could just play the same video every day, and it would be the same. Most news comes at us is irrelevant. But every so often, something comes at us, and it puts us on red alert. And our passage in John this morning is one of those instances. It's news of the incarnation where God has come down to dwell among mankind. And how we respond to this news has the most serious of implications. Life and death are indeed at stake. This news wasn't just important 2,000 years ago, but it's still as relevant and as pressing today as ever. So this morning, I want to ask the question, what is so special about Christmas? What if Christmas is not just a holiday, but the most significant moment in history, not just a celebration, but it's where the infinite, eternal, personal, and almighty God has come down into our world to dwell with us and among us. So our passage this morning breaks down into three sections that I want to look at this morning. The light shines, the light is spurned, and the light saves. The light shines, the light spurned, and the light saves. So look with me at verses 9 and 10 in John chapter 1. And the first thing we see is that Jesus came into the world with a purpose. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So Jesus is being called the true light, and he came into the world to bring spiritual illumination. He gives light to everyone in this world. He enlightens by giving knowledge to humanity, and he shines forth to give light to everyone. So the question is, what then does Jesus reveal? What does he illuminate? What, what, what is this true light bringing? Because we already have the sun, the physical sun. So Jesus didn't shine in a physical sense when he came here on earth. So what is he bringing? Well, verse 14, it tells us that Jesus reveals God. He brings spiritual insight of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. What this is saying is that as Jesus came into the world, the word become flesh. He reveals God's glory. He reveals who God is. He is God. Jesus reveals the glory of the father i think this is most kind of beautifully articulated in john chapter 14 if you'll remember jesus was teaching his disciples and then philip one of his disciples says jesus lord just show us the father and that will be enough for us we know you're a prophet, Jesus. We know you're a good teacher. We've seen you do miracles. We get it. You're from God. But if you would just show us the Father, it's going to be enough. And what does Jesus say in reply? John fourteen nine. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That is stunning. At the incarnation, Jesus reveals God himself because he is God. Jesus unveils the glory and the majesty of God. When when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, he says, I want to see your glory. And God says, you can't because you would die. I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock. I'm going to cover over you and my back will pass by. And what was declared? He is a God who is merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. What is this drawing out? The creator is now in his creation. Christ fashioned the world by the word of his power. He upholds and sustains every single atom and molecule and cell. And now he is condescended to enter in to his created order. It's like you kids. If you get a new Lego set, it's if you build that whole setup and then you make yourself a Lego to live among those Legos. It would be a little weird. And yet, that's the wonder of this incarnation. At Mount Sinai, God spoke to Moses. He told him, Consecrate the people and set up guards to make sure none of the people run up into this mountain. Why? Because he says, My holiness will consume them, they'll die. And only once a year did priests go into the inner sanctuary of the temple to offer sacrifice. But now, God Almighty, the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything, was now in the world. Jesus reveals God. This is what it means for Jesus to be the true light that shines in our world. And consider the manner in which Jesus came, which we have sung of and we have rehearsed. He came as a baby, born of a virgin, fully human and fully God. There's something almost uncomfortable thinking about Jesus as a baby. He was helpless. He cried. He shed tears. He nursed at his mother's side. And he had all the normal bodily functions of a baby. And Christmas is where God came into his creation cloaked in humanity. The divine took the form of of a servant. The creator clothed himself in humility. The infinite one became an infant child. This should just stun us. We should be amazed. What's so special about Christmas? Christmas is wonderful and glorious because Jesus reveals God. Nothing like it has ever happened in all of history. And nothing like it will ever happen again until Christ's second coming. The end of verse 10 says, The world did not know him. So Jesus shines the light in order to reveal God, and yet the world did not know him. So this leads us to our second point where the light is spurned. The light spurned. Look with me at verse 11. It says, He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So Jesus comes in. He's spurned, rejected, treated with contempt, disdain. So this is in reference to the Israelites, the Jewish people. They were his own people. And in their holy writings, the Old Testament, all the prophets were writing about the long awaited Messiah, the son of man, the Christ who was coming. And they rejected him. We read passages like Isaiah nine six and we say, How could they have not seen that Jesus was the one? Isaiah nine six, for a For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was prophesied hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, preparing the way for the Messiah and the very people that God calls his treasured possession. His chosen people did not receive him. And this is a shocking development, isn't it? Isaiah 9-2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So God's people rejected Jesus when he finally came and shined spiritual light into their spiritual darkness. This this would be like what, what I imagined... Several years ago we took a family trip to Wind Cave National Park in South Dakota. How many of you have ever been there? Maybe a few of us. 154 miles of explored cave passageways, the third longest in the United States. And at one point in the tour when they take you down maybe a mile or two deep into the ground, they ask everyone to turn off their lights. And so you put away your phones, you turn off all your lights, and it's just complete pitch black. And, and, you know, I could hold my hand in front of my face, couldn't see it at all. So imagine living in that type of deep darkness year round. And suddenly, someone shows you the light of the sun for the first time. And what you do instead of running to it is you recoil away from it. It's like golem, right? It's just unthinkable. And yet this is the surprising reception that Jesus received from among his own people. John tells us in his gospel in chapter 3, verse 19, the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And this describes our world and our culture today. Most people don't reject Jesus because they've done a detailed study of the Old and New Testament. They've read various studies and commentaries and articulations of and weighed the evidence and the pros and cons. They don't want Jesus because they don't want to listen to anybody tell them how to live. They don't want to obey And this is what it means to be spiritually dead. People rather be their own God. And so the sadness of Christmas is that millions celebrate Christmas but reject the Savior. Multitudes feast on rich foods but reject the bread of life where they will never go hungry ever again. Wine and drink flow freely around this time of year but the living water that will quench all your thirst, goes untouched. Many live in darkness, and yet they refuse to come into the light. And yet we know that there are many who have longings and desires that go unmet. And in the midst of all the hustle and bustle, they feel like, I think there's just gotta be something more than this. They're like Charlie Brown in Charlie Brown's Christmas. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. And then he throws his head up, right? Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And this leads us to our third point. The light saves. Look with me at verses 12 and 13. The light shines, the light spurned, and now the light saves. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So now we see this shift from rejection to salvation. Some do indeed receive Jesus, which means they believed in his name. These terms receive and believe are more than just being on the receiving end of a Christmas card. It means they receive Jesus as Jesus has revealed himself as God, as Lord, as Christ, as the Messiah, and in his saving work. Throughout Jesus' ministry recorded in John's gospel, it says many believed and then all those who believed walked away from him because they didn't want Jesus on his own terms. They wanted a Jesus that they could shape and fashion to be what they wanted. And so here it says, for those who believed means those who actually received Jesus and his saving work as the Messiah. It's trusting Jesus in his roles as prophet, the one who speaks for God, as priest, the one who mediates between man and God, and as king, the one who demands our obedience and allegiance. John is speaking of faith here. This receiving and believing in Jesus is on his terms and not ours. It's trusting his character. It's like doing a trust fall. Any of you ever done a trust fall? You know what it's like? Yes, I saw a hand there. You put your hands and they say, I'll catch you. You know, kind of kids play this. And, and sometimes you hit your head and you know not to trust that sibling anymore. And, and other times they catch you and you're like, oh, okay. You might believe that someone might hold you up, but when the rubber meets the road, you'll really know who's got your back. Or it's like jumping out of a plane. Do you believe in that parachute to be able to save your life? To receive and to believe in Jesus means to trust him, to treasure him, to really bank and stake your entire life on him. And this is the greatest challenge of our day. Everyone wants to take Jesus as long as they get him on their own terms. I want Jesus' peace, his love, his comfort, his grace, his kindness, and his forgiveness of sins. But leave me alone on telling me how you want me to live. Don't question how I conduct my business and spend my money. Don't tell me how I use my time and energy. Don't tell me what I can listen to or watch. And this is the problem with shallow, self-help, man-centered religion. Unfortunately, you can walk into a dozen churches and they will tell you exactly what you want to hear. They will tell you, you are awesome. You are amazing. God is going to use you. He really loves you. And they will demand nothing of you and they're not telling you the real Jesus. That is not the full Truth. To believe in Jesus' name is to take Jesus as Lord over all. So, all who did receive Him, who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. We either take Jesus as He is or we reject Him. What we cannot do is conform Jesus to our image and to our preference. To believe in Jesus is to follow his every word written in the scriptures because it's been breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. John tells us that those who do, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So to become children of God is the highest privilege possible We are by nature alienated and enemies of God, but we can become children of God, adopted into his family, and to be under his shepherding care, his loving discipline. This spiritual regeneration, he tells us, is not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man. This means that it's not by natural means. We don't become children by blood. It doesn't matter if your father or your grandfather or some long-lost relative was a pastor or minister or missionary. We don't become children of God by the will of the flesh through some natural or physical reality. You can't buy your way in or earn your way in or no secret handshake only by the grace of God. We don't become children of God by the will of man, meaning by human decision. This is a spiritual transformation in the divine work of God. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So this morning, what's so special about Christmas? Christmas is a celebration where God has become man. And he, where he makes man children of God. That's the wonder of the incarnation. Jesus transforms all those who believe in him by seeing and beholding his glory. And the way we come to him is by opening our eyes to his spiritual truth and beholding him and loving him and believing and receiving and trusting him. Now, in verse 14... He tells us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the doctrine of the incarnation. Jesus became flesh, bone, blood, and soul, and dwelt among us, fully human, fully divine. And it's a glorious mystery, one that we will look into and study and we will still struggle to understand. He's able to sympathize with us in our trials. He was a man of sorrows and yet he is God. He is the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for sinners. And yet without the incarnation, there is no Christianity Without the incarnation, we die in our sins, we remain in deep darkness, and we're still waiting for light to dawn. The phrase where he says, he dwelt among us, this means he tabernacled among us, is literally what it means. The tabernacle is what led Israel mediated God's presence and was at the center of Israel's worship. And now Jesus is at the center of everything. He fulfills the pattern of the tabernacle and of the temple so that now through Jesus, we can know God. And now he says, we can know him full of grace and truth. What does that mean? I think it's an allusion to Exodus 34, 6, where God causes his goodness to pass before Moses. And he declares that God is merciful and gracious so he's the perfect revelation of God's glory and goodness, grace and truth. They wanted Moses as their mediator because it was so frightening. And yet it was there that Israel received God's law. And John 1.17 tells us, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the sacrificial system declared that we are sinners in need of a savior. And every year pilgrimage was made, sacrifices were made to remind them of their sinfulness and for their need of sacrifice. But in Jesus, we get the greatest and most glorious display of the grace of God. The truth still remains that we're sinners in need of sacrifice. But Jesus declares grace. I have become the Lamb of God. I am the Lamb of God. I've come in so that you would no longer have to offer sacrifice. You don't need to come to the temple. You don't need anything else to bring you to the Father. If you've seen me, you have seen God Almighty. You don't need to be hidden in the cleft of a rock. You don't need me to just pass by you just briefly, lest I consume you. You you don't have to resist running up to this mountain with cloud and smoke. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen God Almighty, and that is the most glorious reality in all of creation. There is nothing greater This is why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus became our sacrifice so that we have received grace upon grace. A lot of you are going to get Christmas presents. Maybe you've opened them this morning. Maybe you will open them this afternoon. And usually when we give gifts, we think, okay, they're going to maybe spend $20 on me. So I should spend, you know, 20, 25, or they're going to spend $200 on me. I better not spend $20. I need to spend more than that. You know, Sometimes we think that way. We're just human. And yet if, someone, if you gave someone you know, something worth $20 and they gave you something worth $20,000, you would say, that's not appropriate. I feel guilty. Something's wrong here. The exchange isn't right. It's too lavish. It's too much. It's too gracious. I, I feel mainly bad now because you were so generous and I wasn't. And the reality of the incarnation that a priceless gift was given to all of us and we didn't bring $20 to the table. We brought our sins to the table. We brought nothing. The lavish and glorious, overflowing heart of God is that he gives us everything and life itself. If you have not received Jesus this morning, we beckon you to come into the light. The, The sad reality is that those who desperately need the light run from the light. And we see this in our world. Those who most desperately need help resist help for all sorts of issues and substance abuse and homelessness. Those who need it most can't recognize it, can't come in and take hold of it. And that's the way it is with the gospel. Those who most desperately need Jesus recoil in disgust at the proclamation of Christ. And so this morning, we want to beckon you to behold and receive Jesus. Christmas is special because Christ has shown God's glory into our hearts. And so you don't have to clean yourself up before you come. You mainly say, I see it and I want more of it. Don't ignore Jesus' saving work this morning. Every once in a while, we get breaking news where life and death hang in the balance. And this is one of those moments. Receive, believe, trust Jesus above all else this morning. You can pray in the quiet of your heart, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I long to receive your free gift of life and want to see more of your glory. And for all those who are trusting in Jesus this morning, it's a reminder The incarnation changes everything. Everything. Nothing about your life is the same in light of the incarnation. Nothing about your struggles is the same in light of the incarnation. Nothing, nothing is the same in light of the incarnation. Jesus come into the world to dwell among us changes everything. He is shown into the darkness. Will we receive him or reject him? In my prayers that we would receive him and believe in his name and become children of God by undergoing spiritual rebirth. John writes to awaken us to the wonder of the incarnation. Christmas tells us that God came down and dwelt among us. Jesus reveals light and life and gives joy and life to all who believe in him. And so this morning, we're gathered together as the people of God, basking in the most glorious, expansive, amazing gift that has ever been given in the history of the world. God has come down and dwelt among us. And if we can behold Jesus, we can see God himself. When Jesus says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. God says, I'll watch over you by day and by night. In Christ and the power of his spirit dwelling within us, we have all we need for life and salvation. And so as we leave today, we leave with the very light of Christ shining within us. Let's pray. Father, we want to see the wonder of the incarnation more. So let these truths land on our hearts so that we would behold you in all of your glory. We thank you that Jesus came, revealed God, and that we have beheld his glory. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.